it interactive so that we can get to the meat of this thing. I've, I've personally been in uh, warfare uh, for uh, about six to eight months. I'm weary. I'm tired. I've been in a war. I've been in a battle. And that battle's been in me and in my mind. And uh, I've been talking to people and ministering to people. And it seems like a lot of folks are just really warring over thoughts and getting bombarded by the enemy and, and just trying to, to, to get through a day without attacking thoughts and self-loathing and self-attacking and self-condemnation. Does that bear witness with anybody? Okay, I just really think the enemy's trying to ramp that up. Because if he can get us to get, grow weary and well-doing, we'll quit before a harvest comes in. And so uh, God is really, I, I want to share with this with you because I'm getting victory in it. And I want to share some principles with you to how to defeat these debilitating thoughts that cripple you. Now you might say, hey, I'm, I'm working through the day doing fine. But, but it's a matter of just quenching the spirit in you. You're, you're distracted. You're thinking of other things or you're thinking not good enough. And I especially appreciate the young people being here. And I want to speak to you. And what I mean by young people, that's anybody under 40. But just kidding. Uh, because now really, you know that 20 to 25 age is, is torturous. It is so hard and you're being so attacked by an enemy because he knows you're at this place where, where you're making a lot of decisions in life and a lot of choices that can affect the rest of your life. And they've got to be God-centered. And so the enemy wants you distracted. So let me share this with you. Uh, you have outlines tonight. And uh, so we're going to Romans chapter 7. Let's try to find out where the war is. This is a war. Everybody is in a war. If you came into the kingdom of God, you guys looking for outlines? Do we have outlines here, folks? Okay, let's pass those out. Um, you belong to the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God is at war with the kingdom of the devil. How many of you know that? Now, the, the enemy's been defeated, but he needs to be gotten rid of. So you're in a war. You might think, I didn't sign up for this. If you signed up to get saved, you're in a war. Because the kingdom of God is at war. So you're automatically at war. So where is this war? So we turn to Romans 7, verses 22-23. It's in your Bible. Paul says this, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So where's the location of the war? It's within us. Where specifically? Well, Paul says this. We, we understand in Scripture of a trichotomy. What would tri mean? Trichotomy. We believe that we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. This verse helps us understand that. He says, in my inner man. In the inner man, what, what would that part of you be? Spirit. In your spirit man. He says, I delight in the law. I love the law of God. I love the word of God. I love everything about God. In my inner man, I love the, the things of God. 
He said, but there's a problem. That's my inner man. That's the spirit man connected to heaven, connected to God. It's, it's my spiritual senses and communication. But I have a problem. He said, in my members. Now, what would your member be? Your members. Your flesh. Your body. He said, in my body, which is in tune with the world and people around me, the physical realm, he said that it lusts and desires for its gratification. The spirit loves the things of God. The flesh loves the things of the physical realm. And he said it creates a war. Where does the war get created in? My mind, which is your intellect, emotion, and will, your soul. The Bible also calls it your heart. So this is where the battle rages. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 to no longer be conformed to the, this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of our what? Mind. You see, your body is going to die. It's under the curse. It's not going to be, it's going to die. You're going to get a new body. This thing's going to die. Your spirit's been fully transformed renewed and sanctified but there's your soul your identity who you are that is progressively changing from what was a fallen sinner in the kingdom of darkness into following as a child of God and into the kingdom of light but it has to be renovated it has to be transformed there's a lot of stuff still in you that has to be evacuated get it out why God why doesn't God just do that when we're saved because you'd lose you we're so connected with all that we learned and became in our body and world here if we lose that we're we'd be in church going we'd be lost so it has to be renewed it has to be transformed it has to be changed with an ever-increasing effort so who should be involved in that effort you Spirit of God saying, do this. Your flesh is saying, do this. Now you have to, in your decision making, you have to decide and determine, will I go with the Spirit or will I go with my flesh? That causes a war, doesn't it? Now in a war, you have to wear armor so that you don't get killed. So in Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God and putting on this armor. And it's going to give us a clue to something. In Ephesians 6, 16, it says this. In all circumstances, I'm reading the English translation, English standard. In all, how many circumstances? In most circumstances. In Sunday and Wednesday circumstances. No, in all circumstances. That's all activity of your life. In all circumstances, take up, again, your responsibility. You don't have to take it up. You can leave it on the floor. Put it in your trunk. Carry it with you. But you've got to take it up. What are we taking up? The shield of faith with which you can do what? Extinguish how many? All the flaming darts of the evil one. Okay. So there's a war going on. My flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And I have to make the decision not to yield to my flesh. And so my mind is at war all the time. And this verse tells us that you need to be armored up. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet prepared for the gospel. 
sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the what? Shield of faith. It's a defensive weapon defending you against what? Fiery darts. Now, Paul's explicit here. He wants to get in. These aren't just regular darts. These aren't just regular arrows. Like an arrow isn't enough. Enemy points an arrow at you and lets loose. But this is an arrow that is what kind of an arrow? Fiery dart. And what they used to do to create a fiery dart is they would make arrows that were combustible so that when that arrow went and when it hit, it would create a fire. All right? So this is a fiery dart. That's a mean dart. So where is the enemy targeting? What is your weakest spot? What's your Achilles heel? Thank you. Your mind. I'm giving you visuals here to help us all along. So our weakest spot, the spot the enemy is pointing his arrows at, deadly arrows, fiery arrows, is in our mind because of our flesh. So if he can get us to yield to our flesh, he knows we will sow to the flesh which will reap sin and corruption. He may have lost you to Jesus. You may be saved So what he wants to do is rob you of every blessing he can from the Lord Jesus Christ. From canceling your appointments with God and the assignments that he's had prepared for you. Did you know that everyone in this place has has an assignment? You have an assignment tomorrow that God has established from the beginning of time. It says that you've become his workmanship prepared in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has already prepared for you to do. These things are predestined. You have an assignment tonight. You have an assignment tomorrow. But if the enemy can get a fiery dart into your brain, into your mind, into your thinking to keep you from accomplishing it, he's done his work. So they're fiery darts. Now what are these fiery darts that he's trying to send in to your mind? Glad you asked. Let's go to our outline. Turn to 2 Corinthians 10.5. Paul tells us that in this war, we need to pull down these strongholds. We need to pull out these fiery darts. We need to come against them. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, it's on your outline, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Uh, I like the rendering in the King James. It's a little more accurate with, with this first statement. Casting down imaginations. Uh, the ESV says destroying arguments. The King James says casting down imaginations. All right? Uh, another word... Uh, used for the Greek word of arguments or imaginations is also reasonings. We reason through everything, every day. Imagine if I did this. What are you starting to say? Imagine if I offered you some ice cream right now. What's going on in your brain? You're considering. You're already picking your flavors. Some of you already put chocolate on it and nuts. Some of you just now put a cherry on it. You're imagining, you're reasoning, you're thinking about this. It's, it's a consideration. All right? So he says, we've got to cast down. I like that because these things rise up. 
And that's that fiery dart he's shooting in. He wants to shoot in some imagination, some reasoning. How many of you remember Genesis chapter 6 where it says that every imagination and thought and the intent of man's heart had become evil? You just have to incite the mind towards that pattern. You know what I'm talking about. You just need to get the thing going. You just need one fiery dart in there and he, needs, he doesn't need to do any more. For some of you, it's just a fiery dart of a naked woman. Boo! Got you gone for 20 minutes. Every card catalog of naked women and pornography that you've watched just goes... Advertisers know this quite well. It could be a, uh, an interesting tidbit, a story that you heard, a little bit of gossip, fiery arrow. Boom! Did you hear about Cindy? Hmm? Did you? Did you guys hear about her? Okay. Some of you are wondering, who's Cindy? What's going on? Do you see what I'm saying? It's an imagination. It's a reasoning. It's a considering. So we're ha- we have to cast them down, pluck them down. And he goes on to say this, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, every lofty opinion, things that exalt themselves above God, things that say this Bible, this scripture is a little bit silly. I believe it, but really, come on. Did God really make the earth in six literal days when we know, according to every TV show and every science magazine, that it was billions and billions and billions of years? Right? These are lofty things that exalt themselves over the Lord. Another lofty thing that exalts itself over the Lord is you know what? Go ahead. You deserve a break. You've been doing really well with the Lord. Take your time. Go ahead. You, don't, you can stop whenever you need to. Lofty opinion establishing that idea above what the Lord has already told you not to do. Are you with me tonight? All right. And then thirdly, he says, then he says, cast down imaginations and the things that exalt themselves above God and then bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Wow. That's a lot of activity. A lot of activity. There's the war right there, wrestling with these three fiery darts that the enemy shoots in. He shoots in arguments or reasonings. Basically, reasonings are, should I, shouldn't I, should I want, I don't know if I want, should I do this, should I not do this? You have to reason through it. And consider the, consider the evidence and consider, is this right or is this wrong? This would make me feel a lot better. Well, yeah, it may make you feel a lot better, but it is diametrically opposed to the Word of God. But should I? You ever been there? I'm there every day. Stop kidding yourself. We're all there every day. Right? Because it's in the mind. It's entertained. Now, these are temptations. None of it is sin until you linger and choose. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's all get on the same page here. All of us are facing this. This is the war. This is where we're at. Now, I found something out about myself, just like I said, about six months ago. Uh, I'm 56, and I never knew this about me. And, and, I, and I, I know me pretty well. I found out I'm a ruminator. A ruminator. I didn't know that that's what I've been doing most of my life. And uh, um, 
because I was in such consternation. Ruminating is pretty close, not there, but almost to an OCD kind of person. Anybody know what OCD is? Obsessive, compulsive. That mind can't get off particular things. Got to do certain things in a certain order just to feel okay. Well, I'm a ruminator. Ruminating is the kind of person that can't stop thinking about something. You, you just go round and round about on it. You look at it at every different angle. Now, I believe it's a gift from God. I believe it's a blessing for me. It helps me be a really good student of the Word of God because I ruminate about that thing. I'll read it, and then for the rest of the day, I'm considering, well, what did he think about that? And why did David do this? And if David did that, how come Saul didn't do this? And, and if he did that, and what does that word mean when he does this? And I could just ruminate on that. Oh, that's good and glorious. But when it becomes something someone did to me or a choice I have to make, why did they say that to me? Did, what, did, does it look like I'm this? I didn't think I was that. Does anybody else consider that? Why did they say that? And who are they to think that? Why am I thinking this? I don't know why I'm thinking this. Because I think I'm hurt. I'm hurt. That's why I'm thinking this. Well, why am I so hurt? What's about the past? Maybe it's the past. Maybe something my father did to me. I don't know if it was my father. That's kind of a silly thing. Do you think it's that? Does anybody walk in this road like I do? I'm a ruminator. And, and I, I, I began to read this because I was just like, my brain was, smoke was coming out. I was like sick of me. And, and I'm listening to me over and over, and I'm going, I can't get this thing out of my head. And I do this every day. Does anybody else do this every day? And, and you know, it's to different degrees, right? Some of you are like, all right, I don't think of nothing. <laughs> Man, it's gone. I don't care. You got another problem. We all got problems. You got to get on the ball. I get off the ball. I look at the ball. I go, how big is this ball? How fast will the ball roll? Why won't it go uphill? Will it hit me when it comes back down? <gasps> so I, I investigated this, and I looked it up, and, and I saw this article by some psychologist on ruminating, and I go, well, what the heck is that? And he, I thought it was arthritis or something, you know? I got rumination here. And, and I'm reading it, and, and he's checking off all these things, I'm going, that's me, that's me, that's me, I'm that, that's me, I've got that. Then he goes, this is what you need to do. I go, yes, yes, click, click, what is it? Stop it. <laughs> yeah, wow, this guy's a genius. How did this guy get a degree? I don't know, I got a degree, how did he get a degree? And how come he's got a website? And once he's got a website, you know how much money he's making selling this stinking book? I could make a book like that, but now I have to ruminate. But how can I stop this ruminating? Oh, just stop it, like he said. And I began to ruminate about that. But what I learned about myself, and you need to get to know who you are and how you think. Every one of us has certain mechanisms and has certain uh, uh, buttons that the enemy knows how to push. And so he can send a fiery dart into your mind to get you rattled, to get you going. And he'll tailor make this thing. He'll make it just so that it gets your goat. I don't know where that saying came from. I'll ruminate it later. But, you know, it'll get you. Does anybody know what I'm saying? And it could be an off comment that it wasn't even part of any other conversation, but that little thing had a burr on it, and it just got right in your mouth, and you think about it. 
I could preach a sermon, and I can have 30 people go, my life's been changed. That was awesome. I saw God when you were speaking. And one person will come up and go, you know, you got the scripture reference wrong. Kind of lost me. I lost interest. And guess where I am? How could I do that? Why do I always do that? I get it wrong. I should double check my, my scripture verses. And I can't believe I did that. This poor guy's lost because of me. So the enemy wants to throw in reasoning. He, he wants you to reason about something. How many of you uh, have your faith regularly challenged? You know what I'm talking about, right? Did Noah really build an ark that big? Was it a global flood or not? And you consider these things. You know, is, when Christ comes again, he's going to ride a white horse. Well, are there horses in heaven? Is this thing real? What's going on here? You're, you know what I'm saying, right? Sending in a reasoning into our thinking to get us to consider. And then what happens is if he can get out of that reasoning an opinion that could exalt itself over the Word of God, he's got you going. Let me give you an example, okay? Did God really say that you can't eat that fruit? You can't touch any fruit in the garden? Now there's an argument, right? An argument presented to Eve. So really, you can't have any fruit. God never told them they couldn't have fruit. They said he, he, God said that you just can't eat that one tree. But he brought in an argument, didn't he? He brought in a reasoning for Eve to go, well, uh, uh. and then what he did with that reasoning and her considering, is it every tree, every fruit? You know, I thought Adam told me it was just that one tree. And so she's reasoning. And so then he brings in, he pulls his bow back, he puts the oil on it to light, and then he goes, Phew. and he goes, sing, and an opinion comes out of this thing. You know, God didn't want you to eat of that because you become smart as him. He didn't want you to have it. You're being deprived because if you eat it, hmm, you'll be like him. Ultimately, God's plan is that we will be like him, and through Christ we shall but not to be as God's, but as his children. But you see what happened to that opinion now? Do you see what happened to that reasoning? It lofted itself up above the word of God, and Eve went for it. And that lofty thing went up, and she didn't take captive those thoughts and those things to the authority of God's word that was spoken. And so that's what I'm talking about, folks. This is what you and I deal with every day. And I'll have an issue, and I'll think about it, I'll ruminate about it, and I'll come at another angle that I couldn't come at, and then I'll go, mm hmm, wow, what about that? So how are we going to deal with this? I want you to turn to Revelation 12. Because what the enemy wants to do is to get you into ruminating, into considering these things, into allowing certain thoughts, certain ideas to rise up above God in your heart and mind. That's why he said, you can't trust any idea. Listen to me. Everybody, I don't care who's preaching, I don't care what preacher you're watching on TV or YouTube, you can't let any thought be on its own. You've got to take every thought what? captive 
unto Christ, you have to determine and judge every thought. We're too careless with what we're watching, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, and what we're believing. We've got to be so careful. And look at, I mean, I'm feeling the weight of this on me right now while I'm saying to that, and I'm saying to you, hey, we've got to take every thought captive, and I got the, I've got that right back on me. I'm too loose with letting things in my brain. But if we've, we put them past the Word of God first, got to take it captive. Because what the enemy wants to do, he's just waiting. He's waiting for the opportunity for you to exalt something above the authority of God's Word and, and to make, make a move and make a gesture towards it so he can accuse you. Now, how many of you know that? How many of you know that wrestling with sin, that wrestling with whatever it is, you pick the sin, you all got different ones, and we're wrestling with it, this and that, and we go ahead with it. And what immediately comes after that? The accusing of the enemy. We can feel guilt, we can feel conviction by the Lord, but then that wave of condemnation of the enemy, he's right there, right there. He's an accuser. Revelation 12, 10 tells us what he does we know his weaponry arguments opinions thoughts accusations high ideas revelation 12 10 says and i heard a loud voice in heaven saying now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of god and the authority of his christ has come for the accuser of our brethren's our brothers has been what thrown down what are we supposed to do that's right remember arguments pretenses imaginations what are you supposed to do cast them down what will eventually happen to the one who's behind these fiery darts one day he will be what cast down put under our feet man this is a celebration we're all going to see this by the way it's going to be awesome isaiah says that when we see him cast down we're going to look at him and we're going to go this was the guy that ruined nations? You see, we, f- we are so easily duped, oh my word, because he goes into that weak place. The accuser of the brothers has been thrown down who accuses them how often? Day and night before our God. But I thank God we've got an advocate with the Father. Where is Christ seated? At the right hand of the Father. And, and so every accusation the enemy comes up and, and brings up about us and accuses us, the uh, Jesus says, he's covered. She's covered in my blood. Thank God for that. We've been justified. But, but now, if he can't get anywhere with God, where does he want to get? With you. With us. Because he wants to cause you to go astray by your thoughts, your reasonings, and that. And once you do, then he'll condemn you. He's got you coming, he's got you going. Don't you hate that? I hate that. And I fall for it every day. Anybody else? All right, we got to break this thing. Now, there's got to be the extinguishers. So verse 11, and they have conquered him or overcome him by three things, the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and for they love not their lives even unto death. There are three extinguishers to the fiery darts, that he's trying to shoot into your brain through those arguments, those reasonings, those imaginations, 
those condemnations, those things that begin to loft themselves above the Word of God in your thinking, and the thoughts that are constantly beating on you. May I say this, that he takes the opportunity usually to do it when you're tired. How how many of you know that? Right? After 10 o'clock, I forget who it was. Some brother said, some famous guy, some great preacher. I don't know who it was. Anyway, he said, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. Go to bed. (laughs) You know what? I wished I would have followed that so many times. Because you're tired. And then that loop song plays in your head. You deserve a break today. I'm hungry. <laughs> and your body says, yeah, let's do this. Hey, let's look at that. Let's think about this. No, oh, man, I should have gone to bed. When you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're depressed, when, when you're feeling, woe is me. Nobody cares for me. Nobody loves me. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Three extinguishers to the fiery darts. Number one, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. How does that extinguish? I'll share it in a minute. Number two, the word of our testimony. And number three, by not being self-governed, but giving up your life to be Christ-governed. This is back to the garden, isn't it? All right, so let's look at how these two map each other out. Look at the genius of this. So, when we put these two together, the fiery darts, an argument, those imaginations, or the reasoning that says you should consider this, you should consider that, you should consider this. These arguments and these different things, the blood of Christ quenches them. Why? Because the blood of Christ justifies us. Turn to Romans chapter 8 with me, please. Do you know what justification means? It means God looks at you just as if you had never sinned. The enemy wants you to consider how you can get away with things and condemn you. But the blood of Jesus says we're not condemned. Verse Chapter 8 of Romans, There is therefore now no what? For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh couldn't do. By sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law would be fulfilled in us. You're the righteousness of God. We've got to believe that. Why should I reason out another way to sin when I'm the righteousness of God? Why should I consider that God hates me when I know I've been fully justified by Him by the blood of Jesus? I have peace with God. He's not mad at me. He's not angry at me. And many of you are motivated thinking that God's mad at you or God's not paying attention or God doesn't care. The blood of Jesus says that's nonsense. It was spilled for you. He bought you with a price. You're His. Every promise that He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And what happens is we reason around that and think, oh, I haven't heard from God in a long time. I don't care if you've heard from God. I don't care if you've seen God move. Do you believe in the blood? 
Do you believe that you are justified by the blood of God, that God the Father hit the gavel and said, innocent, and now my child? You've got to believe that. The enemy sends those fiery darts for you to reason that you lost your salvation or you lost God's consideration or your high priest Jesus, whoever lives, to what? Make intercession. So if the enemy is accusing us day and night, how often is Christ pardoning and being with us? Day and night. He's there. He's covering you with his blood. You're bought. It's paid for. You're justified. You're cleansed. Don't buy the lie. Now that's a matter of faith. Oh yeah. It's a shield. Yeah. It's a shield. This blood is a shield. Start using it as a shield. Some of you are not convinced yet that Jesus is who He said He is. And you're not convinced that He loves you. Could I tell you to please consider the blood? We will consider the blood for all eternity. The blood is the absolute demonstration of God's love. And if this blood does not excite you, if this blood doesn't secure you, then I don't know anything that will. You're looking for a miracle? You're looking for something to happen right in front of your eyes? None of that can compare to the blood of Jesus, to Him giving His life for you and what that accomplished and is continuing to accomplish. Amen? It absolutely casts down and, as the Word says, demolishes every reasoning and every argument the devil can give you. Remember the blood. Consider the blood of Jesus Christ. Secondly, now, the word of your testimony. Something tries to lift itself up. I've got a testimony. My testimony is God saved me. I was a jerk. Still a little bit, but God's made me better. Not so bad anymore. I'm just kidding. But God, I have a testimony. I know what God can do. I've seen God do it. I can count on God's Word. Can you trust God's Word? Do you have enough life experience in the Word to not fall for the stupidity of the enemy again? How many times are we going to go around this mountain? How many times do you need to go down that idea that you've been down 30 years? It's the same alley that leads to the same locked door that you get mugged and jumped. Why go down there again? I've got a testimony that said, I'm done with that alley. I don't need it anymore. I, I'm done with that. I don't need to consider or ruminate that, about that anymore. Done. Look at the blood. So you've got a testimony. God's got a testimony in His Word. Do you know God's testimony? Have you considered His testimony? His testimony is, I did everything for you. His testimony is, I love you with a love that is unending. My testimony, Jesus' testimony for you is, I died with you on my heart because I know what you're going to be and you're going to be with me. Consider His testimony. Make it your Word. The Word of your testimony. I'm sorry if I'm going on too long, but I'll shorten this up. Now listen. It means a word is something that comes out of your mouth. You have to confess this. 
You have to declare your testimony. And I'm not just talking about your salvation, how you got saved. But the word of your testimony is, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is King. When you find yourself stuck in a rut of twisting reasoning and ideas that are exalting themselves or condemning you and on you, say a praise to the Lord. Say, I love the Lord. My testimony is God is great. I am telling you, it will immediately cast down those stupid ideas. It will if you put it to work. Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to pick up the shield of faith. Yeah, make it your word. Last of all, those thoughts. Take every thought captive. Why? Because this isn't about me. It's not about me loving my life. Most of our problem is we're so considering us. We're so... Our, this whole life is about us. My God, this generation is so sick on self. D- do you see who our personalities are? These people have no talent. Their only talent is bigger boobs and bigger butts. Or more money and bigger houses. This is what, we, this is what entertains American society. This is sick. You go on a computer, guess what you're going to see? Selfies, selfies, selfies. We don't take pictures of the grand and glorious creation anymore. We take pictures of me. We post pictures on our Facebook to have everybody comment about us. Wow. And you're wondering why you're so depressed about you. Because all you do is pay attention to you. Isn't this crazy? And the cross says, die. Well, wait a minute. We can't evangelize people with that. Come to the cross and die. You can't save people. People don't want to die. This is how we got to save people. If you'll accept Jesus, he'll give you this, and you'll have a big house, and you have a bigger car, and, and he'll send you on vacations and trips. This could be the best day you've ever had. Choose Jesus. You'll have happy thoughts, and everything will be good. And what are we appealing to? Self. Man, it is so sick. We've got to wake up. Rub your eyes. It's my new favorite saying this year. Rub your eyes. Wake up, people. The reason you and I are being so duped by the enemy is because we're so focused on us. And all he's got to do is get us to chase ourselves around a tree. How many of you remember Bugs Bunny? Now, Bugs Bunny was cool. Elmer Fudd, Bugs Bunny, right? Any cartoon, any old cartoon, what would typically happen is when they were chasing each other, they'd go to a tree. How many of you remember this? Go around and go in circles around a tree. And then the person would step out. Anybody remember this? And the the one person's still going around the tree. The other one's going like this. That's the devil. And we chase him. You don't have to chase him. You're supposed to knock him down. You're just supposed to stop it. Be done with it. Don't chase it. We're so worried that we've disappointed God that we'll spend the rest of the worship service thinking of what a lousy lump of clay I am. I'm so worthless to you, God. I used to do this. I know this. 
I'd be in worship and I'd have some stray thought come through and I'd think about it and I'd go, oh, I'm so sorry. And then my worship to God became a worship about what a lousy, lousy, lousy guy I am. Oh, I'm so terrible. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Why can't I get through this without? And I'd ruminate about it till I'd be done and the service is over. How was service? Okay, I guess. Because it was all about me. Get past you. When a thought comes in, get past you. It's not about you. Stop thinking about you. Do you know what the number one help for someone who's in depression or someone who's, who's worried about themselves and the condition they're in? The best solution is to do something for somebody else. Stop thinking about you. Now, please, I'm not belittling that difficult place of depression. I understand that. But really, if we can begin to eliminate so much self, our thoughts will not kill us in this war. These three things, the blood of Christ, the word of the testimony, love not their life. These three things are key because I've got to ask you this. Is your reasoning going above God's word? This is it. I've got to tell you, you've got to read this. You've got to eat this. You've got to know this word. And you've got to believe. You've got to be convinced. This is right. And what I'm thinking is not. Because what's happened to our Christianity is we try to decide whether we want to believe this or if we're going to believe what we want to believe. When will we say this is the word of God and it is right? Despite how I feel, despite what I think, God said it, this is the word of truth. I'm telling you, this will set you free when you begin to set your mind at that. You've got to live it, you've got to breathe it, even if you can't see it, you've got to do it. We've got to get this back into the word of God. Uh, There's so many marriages that are failing and on the rocks, and you know what? You've got to do what the Word says. The Word says submit one to the other in reverence to God. You've got to treat your wife learning her and knowing her. Wives, you need to give to your husband the praise they need. Submit unto them. Oh, I don't feel like it. He's a bum. I don't care. This is what it says you do. You do it. Well, that's kind of chauvinistic. Nothing's going to change you except that. Your thoughts won't change you, but see, this is the trick of the enemy. We've all exalted our thoughts over the Word of God. Tell me I'm wrong. I'll prove it to you. Every one of us, we've got thinking like that. You know, I don't know if really there was this or that. Yeah, how much have you studied it? Well, I just don't think God would do that. You don't know. Get into the Word and study that out. Figure it out. We're making decisions every day about the Word of God by stupid reasoning that has exalted itself up. I'm sorry I used the word stupid, but sometimes it fits. Okay, last of all, that's what the shield of faith is. The blood. The word of His testimony that I must speak and not loving my life. This is my shield of faith. I will trust his character despite anything that happens to me. Anything that happens to me. I'm passionate about this because this is where I've been. I've been in this fight for 56 years. If there's any fight Christians have, it's this one. 
If there's any deterrent for us to go higher in God, it's this issue in our stinking brain. Are you with me? And there's one thing that's going to get you through it. Trust His character. You may lose someone so precious to you and they may die. You know how many people have left the Lord over something like that? So many. But you know what? I know His character. And though I can't figure the equation out and I can't figure out why he did this and he did that, i got to tell you this one time, I lost a dear brother, very close friend, 30 years old, to cancer. And I remember, well, I remember because it was a Sunday morning and I was in a series on healing. And that Sunday morning I went to the hospital and that's the morning he died and I had to pray with the family, care for them and they were like sisters and brothers to me and after that I had to go and come back to the church and preach on God's healing power. And on the way back I said, God, this ain't right. What's going on? I prayed for this man. What is going on? I don't understand. I need an answer now. I want the answer. And I heard the Lord say, it's not big enough for you to understand the answer wouldn't be big enough if i gave you an answer i'd argue that answer it's bigger than i could fathom no no think about it if i asked god why did this guy die he said well i wanted him to die because of this what would my first response be you know, you could have done it better i think you could have done it like this No, you know what? When there are things that happen that you don't understand, they are so big, beyond your grasp, it's going to take eternity for you to comprehend how God had woven all of this together in some amazing tapestry. You've got to trust His character. You've got to trust Him. Second of all, you've got to understand He's got promises in His words. Hold fast. And last of all, you have to hope He's going to intercede. Now, I said a lot of stuff. You're not going to remember it all. Please take it in. Take it in and begin to use this. Trust God's character. Trust the promises of His Word. This is your shield. Hope for His intercession day and night. Cast down those thoughts. And remember the three things. The blood, the word of a testimony, and not loving self. And you will start having victory. You're not going to buy the lies anymore. Once they hit that shield, they're going to bounce. They're going to bounce. He can't get through to the mind anymore. You've put a shield up, a force field. Amen? Amen. Let's close our eyes and pray. God, help us. Father, help us.